Shalom and welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast on this beautiful Holy Shabbat. All praises again to the Most High Yah and His Son, Yahusha. As you know, I am Boyce Washington and on the other side of me is Pastor Richard Washington. And again, we want you to know that we are broadcasting live every Shabbat at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, If you are listening, let your friends know, let your family know, let everybody know that we are live and to tune in. We only going to take about an hour to hour and a half of your time and the stuff that the pastor gives us to study and to read and understand is well worth an hour and a half. You do you watch more television than that in the sports games, three hours. So tune in to us every Shabbat at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you have any questions or comments during the podcast, please feel free to reach us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Again, that is scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. So I'm going to turn it over to my co-host, Pastor. So what will we be studying today? Well, we're going to be looking at uh, what I've entitled Satan's Sign of Authority. Satan's Sign of Authority. And we want to kind of get into the mark of the beast that we have been leading up from week to week. And one of the things that we articulated was that we want to look at the seal of Elohim. And then once we've been looked at the seal, we want to see how it interrelates with uh, Satan's mark. So that's where we are today. So let us pray. Eternal Father, again, we seek thee on, on your holy Shabbat. And we ask, so Heavenly Father, that as we enter into the Holy Shabbat, that we know it is a day that has been blessed, it is a day that has been sanctified and made holy. And we ask, so Heavenly Father, that the blood of Yeshua may continue to wash us and make us clean. And may the water of your word rinse us, make us pure. And then fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to sanctify us, that we may have a sanctified life and a holy life, to match a sanctified and a holy day, to be able to receive a sanctified and a holy blessing. These blessings and others we do ask in the name of Yeshua, and for his dear sake we do pray. Amen Amen. and amen. Amen. Okay, now, uh, what we have observed of the seal of Elohim is that let us now turn our focus upon the mark of the beast And in doing so, we will make some comparisons with the mark of the beast with the seal of Elohim. Moreover, in doing this part of our study, we again want to revisit the statement uh, that Lucifer had in man when we read in uh, Isaiah chapter 14. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 14, and we want to consider... Uh, verses, uh, start with verse 12, Isaiah 14, 12 states, and it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of Elohim. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. So here we see some of the uh, intentions that were in Lucifer's heart 
that Elohim could read uh, while he was in heaven, but the Bible tells us, how art thou fallen? And what we want to look at here, particularly here, it says one of the things that he had in his heart was at the latter part of verse 14 of the 14th chapter of Isaiah, he said, I would be like the Mosai. So now when he in his heart said, I would be like the Most High, then when we look at this in the Hebrew, he was talking about he wants to be like El Elyon. And we, tra we translate the word El Elyon as the Most High in the English version. So in his desire to be like the Most High, it was not only be, uh, being worshipped, but also in establishing a system of worship as did Yah. In other words, he, he recognized that Elohim had a, had a, had a, had a, 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 a system of worship, and he wanted to set up a, a system of worship as well. Okay, now, in his desire to be like the Mosai, it was not only, as I have emphasized, to be worshipped, but also in establishing uh, worship. Now, I want to turn to... Uh, Daniel, we want to turn to Daniel, and in Daniel, we want to look at verse, uh, chapter 7, that is, Daniel's chapter 7, okay, and here in Daniel chapter 7, uh, we want to read, uh, we want to read in verse 23, now, this kind of corresponds with the uh, beast of Revelation in some of our earlier studies in which we were leading up to the mark or the seal of Elohim. Now in Daniel 7, verse 23, it said, Then he said, the fourth beast, so we're talking about the fourth beast. He said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break in, it in pieces. Okay, this is what that fourth beast is doing. And if you remember Revelation 13, uh, they talked about this composite beast, and it had features of the first three, but it also uh, alluded to the fourth beast as well. It said in verse 24 of the seventh chapter of Daniel, and the ten horns out of his this kingdom are ten kings which shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the rest, from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. Okay. And then it tells us in verse 25 of Daniel 7, 25, it says, and he shall speak great words against the Most High. And again, this word Most High comes from El Elyonin, or El, El, or El Elyon, which means the Most High. In other words, the fourth beast, he will speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. And they shall begin be given into his hand until a time and times and a dividing of times. So in this particular verse, it speaks... Uh, to the point that he's going to 
not only speak great words to the Most High, but he's going to wear out the saints. In other words, he's going to really challenge the saints. And then it says another thing that he's going to do, he's going to change times and laws. Now, what times and laws would he change? Well, for this particular discourse, one of the laws that he would change is one that deal with time. What law is it that deals with time? Well, the law that deals with time is the fourth commandment of the 10, which says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That law deals with times, and that's the law that he was seeking to change in dealing with his system of worship. And then the latter part of, of verse 25 says, and they shall be, be given into his hand a, uh, until a time and times and a dividing of times. And, and when you look at uh, these times, uh, a time was considered a year, 360 days. And then it says a time and then uh, times, which will be two times, and that will be twice uh, 360, okay? And then a dividing of times would be a half, half a year. And so when you take a day for a year and you add all of this up, you would come to a period of 1,260 years. And when you look at the reign of the papacy, it was about from 530, uh, 538 A.D. to 1798, which would be 1,260 years, it was during this period that the reign of the papacy was changing Elohim's laws to the ones that they wanted. And they created certain things to replace Elohim's law. And we feel that it was during this particular time that during uh, the time of Constantine, when they were uh, in 321 A.D., they were talking about the changing uh, uh, of times and changing the Holy Sabbath on, on, on the seventh day to the first day of the week. And then as time went on, Daniel is prophesizing that the papacy would take on the same of the Roman church to change his times and his laws to be replaced by theirs. So in... Daniel 7, 23, we are told that the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. Now, the same fourth beast, the same fourth beast in, in, in uh, Daniel 7, 25, would speak great words against the Most High. He shall wear out the saints of El Elyon and think to change times and laws. So we know that during the time of the reign of the papacy from that period of time, 538-798, was an attempt to change Yah's sacred day of the Sabbath to the, on the seventh day of the week to a pseudo-Sabbath on the first day of the week. Now, what we notice about the mark of the beast is that it can be placed in one's right hand or in one's forehead. And in contrast to Yah's seal, was only placed in one's forehead. So when we look at Sunday keeping as one of the signs or the mark of Satan, then he's placing his mark 
almost the same place, in the same place that Elohim is putting the seal. So Satan, in imitating Yah's seal, tries to duplicate what he did by using some of the same techniques Elohim deals with, and which is our minds, and even so, Satan deals with the mind as well. So we are in a psychological warfare whereby it's a battle for our minds. Just as Yah's mind, just as Yah wants to impress upon our minds his seal, even so Satan wants to impress upon our minds his mark. So we can see it's a great battle. Elohim is trying to put his seal and Satan is trying to put his mark. Now, the question that we would ask at this juxtaposition is, why would Satan use a pseudo-Shabbat as his mark? Why, why would he use that as his mark? As we have stated previously, he said in his heart he wanted to be like the Most High. And in being like him, he would use ways of doing things in an attempt to draw to himself those who would worship him. What better way to do this than for him to imitate how his creator does things and to use his methodology in doing so. He uses his means and methods of Yahuwah in an erroneous way to gain followers. So he takes the same system and the same principles but he uses them erroneously. He distorts the principles that Elohim is using for true worship. And just as Yah has a protocol, even Satan distorts his protocol. So let's look at the protocol of, uh, of, of Elohim, and then we'll look at the protocol of Satan so when we talk about the protocol, we are talking about the order in which a thing is laid out. So here's Yah's protocol. Yah reveals his will to Yeshua. Yeshua reveals his will to his angel, and his angels reveals his will to the prophet, and, it, and his prophet reveals his will to the assembly of Elohim's people. Okay. Now, we find, let's go to Revelation chapter 1, in Revelation uh, chapter 1. And here in Revelation chapter 1, we read this. Here in Revelation 1, 1, it says, it said, the revelation of Yeshua, the Messiah, which Elohim gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now his servants are his prophets. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John. John was a prophet. Okay. And he said, who bear record of the word of Elohim and of the testimony of Yeshua, the Messiah, of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that read it, and he that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. So here we see a protocol 
The father gives it to the son. The son gives it to the angels. The angels give it to the prophets, and the prophets give it to the assembly, which is Elohim's people. So who are Elohim's people? Let us turn to uh, Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter chapter 7, and we want to look at the fourth verse of the seventh chapter, and it says, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So the people uh, uh, that were sealed was 144,000, and they were called the Israelites, or that was Israel. Okay, so when John gave this prophecy, and he received it from the angels, he was to give it to his people, which was Israel. So that that is his people. Now, who are these people of Israel? What is their city? They, they must have a city. So we turn to Revelation 21. And in Revelation 21, verse 2 says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from Elohim out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So in other words, Israel is considered the bride of Yeshua, and they are the ones that make up the New Jerusalem. So that city is the New Jerusalem. Okay, so here's what we're looking at. We're looking at the protocol uh, of Elohim. Now let's look at Satan's protocol. Now Satan reveals his will to his angels, and his angels reveals his will to the false prophet, and his false prophets reveal his will uh, to the assembly of his people. Okay, now who are, who are the assembly of of, Elohim, of Satan's people? Let's turn to Revelation 13. Okay, in Revelation chapter 13, and uh, we're looking at verse number 11, it says, in Revelation 13, 11 says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a, a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. All right, so what we look at is that this dragon beast, or this one that came up out of the earth, is one of the, one of the beasts that had gotten his power from the other beast that came up out of the out of the water or out of the sea. Okay, now when we look at the beast, uh, in Revelation eleven thirteen, that it had come up out of the earth, then. Who 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 are the people going to be influenced by that beast? Okay, let's turn to Revelation chapter seventeen. Okay, Revelation chapter seventeen, and uh, we'll look at verse five. Revelation seventeen five says, "It said, and upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother's the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth." So what are we looking at? Just like Elohim has a people which is Israel, and they're going to occupy the New Jerusalem. Here we see that Satan has a people who are called harlots. And it says that their city is Neo-Babylon. So Neo-Babylon is their city, but the people that are populated are the harlots uh, that is listening to this particular beastly power. Okay, so what do we have? We have the protocol comparison. Yah, Yahshua 
uh, Yah gives to his son, Yeshua. Yeshua gives it to the angels, and the angels give it to the prophet, and the prophet give it to the church. And in Satan's protocol, you have Satan's giving it to the angels, the angels give it to the pseudo-prophets, and the pseudo-prophets give it to the pseudo-church. So we know that the city of the true people is New Jerusalem, and the city of the false people are Neo-Babylon. So what we're seeing here is that when he said, I want to be like the Most High, he follows also a similar protocol, even though it's in an evil way. He takes the protocol and he distorts it, but he follows the same principles. Elohim gives his message to the angels, the angels to the prophets, and the prophets to the church. Satan says, I give it to my angels, I give it to the false prophets, and I also give it to the false church. Okay, so as we see Israel and New Jerusalem, and and then when we see the, the uh, harlots, the false church, and Neo-Babylon, then uh, we are seeing how when he said, I will be like the Most High, he was saying how he would imitate the Most High in order to bring about the things that he wanted. So when Elohim speaks about having a seal, it not only raises the question about what is his seal, but also where can it be found in the Holy Writ? In our pursuit of Scripture, one of the most ideal passages we have found to justify the seal is, is Exodus chapter 20 and verses 8 through 11. And from our observation of this particular passage, it is most applicable and appropriate to be the seal of Yah. And we studied it, and we found many of the elements of a seal read in those particular passages. This is a passage many individuals have memorized by heart. Moreover, it is a part of the liturgy of many churches to quote this passage verbatim at some point in their church services. However, what we want to do at this juxtaposition is to go beyond just memorizing and quoting aloud this passage and take it out of its liturgy and take it out of its liturg liturgical setting and place it in the setting of a seal. Now, now that we have laid out the premise of a seal, let us revisit the functions of a seal and see how they align themselves to Yah's seal. Thus far, we have discovered that in Elohim's seal, there are four basic things in the fourth commandment concerning the Shabbat that qualifies this commandment to be the seal of Yah. These four factors are the following. Yah has his name, Yah's title, Yah's jurisdiction, and Yah's time. So we, we see his name, his title, his jurisdiction, and his time. And when we consider these four factors, we categorize them as the following. Yah's name and title together, which we call Yah's or Yah's, uh, or which we call Yah Elohim, or we call Lord God. And in his jurisdiction, which is the territory he rules, and lastly, his time, which is the longevity of his rule. 
And we refer to these factors as the following. We know that the first two, as far as his name and his rulership, they, they came together, and we call that the ruler's right. In other words, the ruler's right to rule. Why did he have a right to rule? Because he was Yah, which meant he was a Lord, and he was God. His name, his name was Elohim, but his, his title was Yah. He was a ruler, so that gave him a right to rule. And then when we look in the fourth commandment for his ruler's region, he said that he made heaven and earth, so therefore he has a right to rule that which he created. And then we talk about the ruler's regency, and that was that every week we have a Sabbath, and since we'll be having a Sabbath in eternity, then that means that his rulership would be eternally. He would have an eternal rulership. Consequently, when we explore the mark of the beast, do we see the same factors as we see in Yah's seal? So let us examine the mark and see if this is so. We will refer to this section of our study as uh, as the uh, as uh, Satan's uh, mark of authority. Satan's mark of authority. Okay. Okay. So within the Satan's sign of authority, we find his mark. Okay, and we want to look at this from the three three aspects that we've had. In other words, we had his uh, title, and we also had his uh, name, and they went together. So when we look at the signs of authority, uh, in our dealing with Satan's sign of authority or rulership, what we'll also do is to incorporate the same factors we found in Yah's seal into that of the mark. So we want to look at this beast's mark. These particular factors are the ruler's right, the ruler's region, and the ruler's regency. We are with the ruler's right, which could encompass one's name and title, and we refer to this factor as Satan's right to rule. Okay, Satan's right to rule. When we study the history of Sunday observance, as many consider to be a holy day, we find that it was not instituted by Yah, but rather it was instituted by Satan. For he is the father of lies. The Bible says in John 8, 44, that he was a liar and the father of it. So we know when he brings in a spurious Shabbat, a false Shabbat, that he, he is telling a lie. That's not the truth. But he's the father of lies. And if, and if Sunday is a lie that is not the Sabbath on the first day of the week, then who is the father of it? Well, if Satan is the father of lies and the father of all lies, then that's Satan. Satan is the one that introduced it. He has falsified the truth of Yah and set up a pseudo-day of worship. And in essence, when we read the fourth commandment, which Satan distorted, it would read as the following. Remember Sunday to keep it holy. Six days shall thou labor and do all thy work, but the first day 
is the Shabbat of Satan, the devil. In it thou shalt not do any work, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days Satan, the devil, rested on the first day. Wherefore Satan, the devil, blessed the Sunday and hallowed it. You see, that's what he wants you to do. Because he knows in a Sabbath, if he can get you to believe his Sabbath, then in actuality, you are worshiping him. So since Satan brought in Sunday, the first day of the week, as an imitation of the true Shabbat, this makes him both the maker and the ruler of it. Consequently, just as easily as we can see Yah's name and title in the fourth commandment, which is the true Shabbat, even so can we not see easily Satan's name and title in the pseudo-Shabbat. If we trace Sunday to his logical origin, it would go to Satan. He is the one that convinced the papacy to change it. And we will see his name and title on Sunday. When we keep Sunday, we're paying tribute to Satan, who is the author of Sunday, the first day of the week. And we will see his title as, uh, uh, we will see his title as, as the devil. So when we consider the fact that during the time of the reign of the papacy, that it was the Roman church which changed the sacredness of the seventh day to that of the first day, supposedly. Now, the papacy got it from the image of the beast, and the image of the beast got it from the beast, and the beast got it from Satan, which was the dragon. So we see the protocol that when the Roman church changed it, they had gotten it from the beast that came from the image of the beast, which came up out of the earth, and the image of the beast that came up out of the earth got it from the beast that came up out of the sea, and the beast that came up out of the sea got it from the dragon, which was Satan. And so Satan whispered in the ear of the beast that came up out of the sea, and the beast that came up out of the sea whispered it in the ears of the beast that came up out of the earth, and, and the beast that came up out of the earth was the image of the beast, and it gave to Elohim's people Sunday, which was a making of the father of lies, which was Satan. So now that we've looked at Sunday as Satan's right to rule, and those who follow it are following in his rulership. So now let us look at the second thing that we looked at, which was Satan's region of rule. Satan's region of rule. Okay, let us turn to Revelation chapter 13. Look at the, the region. What region does he rule over? Okay. Lord said he rules over heaven and earth. Let's see what Satan's rule is. Okay, that's Revelation uh, chapter 13. And we want to look at uh, verse verses 3 and 7. Okay. Now here's what verse 3 says. Revelation chapter 13, 3 says, and I saw one of his heads as it was wounded to death. 
talking about that fourth beast. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. So according to this, uh, Satan's uh, region of rule would be the entire world. The Bible says after the deadly wound was healed, it says that the whole world wondered after the beast. Okay? The whole world. Now notice what verse 7 says. And it says, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Does you remember earlier when we read in Daniel, he said he's going to make war with the saints. He's going to wear out the saints of the Most High. So he's really battling the Elohim's uh, Israelites with his people. And Neo-Babylon is trying to take over uh, his church in the whole world. And verse 7 says that it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all the kindreds and tongues and nations. So this beast that came up out of the sea, he had power, and he was making war with the saints. And this power that was given to him had come from the dragon. So they was under the dragon's power, and they was trying to overcome the whole world, and they were dealing with all the kindreds, tongues, and nations. And the same people, or the same kindred, tongues, and people, are the same people Elohim is trying to win to himself. So while he is on the earth, that's where he reigns. That's the limit of his, his, his reign is on this earth. And while he's here on the earth, he's going to try to overcome all of the kindreds, tongues, and nations, which means all varieties of people upon the face of the earth. Okay. Now let us deal with Satan's regency of rule. Satan's regency of rule. In other words, the time in which he'll rule. Let's, let's deal with that. Now, when we deal with the regency of his rule, we turn to Revelation uh, chapter 12, and we look at verse 12. Now, notice what it says. It said, Therefore, rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth he hath a short time to reign. Now, remember, when we looked at Revelation 13, the Bible says that a beast came up out of the sea, and that was the beast. And after this, another beast came up out of the earth, and he had the same power of the beast that came up out of the sea who had received his power from Satan, okay, who was the dragon. Now, notice what it says in, in, in Revelation 12, 12. He said, therefore, rejoice, O ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. It said, woe, inhabitants of the earth and the sea. So why is he talking about the earth and the sea? Because in Revelation 13, he's saying uh, there was a beast that was coming up out of the sea, okay? And then... He said there was also a beast coming up out of the earth. And he's saying that the earth is made out of water and land. And the water is representing the people upon the earth. And the earth is representing an uh, area that is sparsely populated with people. And he said now that Satan has been cast out of heaven, he's going down to the earth. And the earth is made out of water and earth. 
But the first beast came up out of a populated area on the earth, and they got to watch out for the devil. And then the newly developing nation of America, which is coming up out of the earth, they also have to watch out for the devil. So he said, woe unto them. Now, he goes on further to say, even though the devil is going to try to take over heaven and earth, the water and the sea, the people of Elohim and the people of, uh, of the earth, is he going to try to take over uh, all of the earth, every kindred tongue, nation, and people? And then the Bible says, even though we got to watch out for him, he says, because the devil has a short time to reign. So the devil himself knows that he only have a, a short rule. So in this verse, it is pointed out that Satan himself has the knowledge of his limited time to reign over the kings or over the beings of this world. So when we make a comparison of that and the seal, we can see some of the same things, but in a shorter uh, a, a form of it. And so when we deal with uh, the mark of the beast, it will become a it will become a mark once he tries to put it in somebody's forehead or in somebody's right hand. And when it's forced in your right hand or in your mind and you start doing it, then it will become a mark of the beast when you keep Sunday. Right now, it is not considered a mark because it's not being forced. But once it becomes forced and we accept it, then what will happen is that this mark that is being impressed on the minds of the people to keep Sunday rather than Sabbath, and when they do it and they accept it, it will become a mark. So we're going to close there uh, pointing out Sunday as a resort of being the mark in contrast to the seal of Elohim. Boy, all of this for a short rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com, and we will get to your questions at the end of the Let's Talk About It segment. So if you have any questions um, about the pastor's discourse today, please shoot us an email. Uh, you probably want to do it now so we can have it and we can address your question or comment at the end of the let's talk about it segment um that's just interesting i mean it it shows you how selfish um satan is because here yah took the seventh day the very last day he gave us six days first one one to six and said okay i just need you to take the seventh day off for me Satan turns around and says, no, I don't want seven. I don't want two. I don't want three. I want the first day. All eyes on me. Number one, not seven, not the last, but I want the first day. And I just find that very interesting Hmm. that you can see it's all about Satan and nothing else. Hmm. You know, um, who are the three kings mentioned in Daniel seven twenty four? Daniel seven twenty four. Uh huh. When it mentions yeah. the th- three kings. Yeah. Well, you you know the fourth kingdom was uh, Rome. Okay. But Babylon was the first, 
Medio Persia was the second, and Greece was the third. Okay. Okay. Now, if you remember that when we were talking in Revelation 13, we were talking about the composite beast, and they says in Revelation 13 too, uh-huh. it had it had some uh, it had uh, uh, parts of each one of the, those three kingdoms. When it says in Revelation 13 uh, two, it says, "And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard." Remember, that was the uh, Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. Okay. And his feet was like the feet of a bear. And we know this is the Medio persian under Cyrus and Darius. Uh, that was that kingdom. And he had a mouth like a lion. And we know that the, the mouth of a lion came from the Babylonian kingdom. So okay. those are the three beasts. And um, also, uh, is there any significance of Satan's seal being placed in the right hand as opposed to the left hand? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was intended to uh, go more into uh, where Satan's going to place his mark. Okay. But since you got the question, I'll just answer, answer it on kind of like on the periphery uh, of it. I'm, but we'll get more into it. Okay. Uh, what, one, one of the things about the right hand is that uh, usually when you talk about the right hand, you, you're talking about uh, a position of authority, just like when he talks about Elohim, uh, Yeshua sitting on the right hand of Elohim. Yeah. But that's that's a, that's a position of, of of power. Okay. Just just like you take the name Benjamin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Benjamin mean Benjamin means the son of my right hand. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay. That's what the name means. So Benjamin is uh, the type of name that says uh, he prophesying about Yeshua that Yeshua is the son on the right hand of the father. So the right hand is, is, is that of authority. So Satan is saying, if you put it in your right hand, then I got authority over you. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, also in revelation thirteen seven, where it states, uh, Satan was given power. Who was the one who gave Satan his power? Was it Yah? Is it the people of this earth? Who was that who gave him his power? Who, 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 let me see. You said in verse 7? Uh, yes, Revelation 13. Seven. Okay, okay. That's now, this is the composite beast that we were talking about that had portions of the three kingdoms that you were asking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that's the one that has given him power, but his power was given, on, he said, and he was given... And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. Now, who gave him this power was, uh, if you go go to uh, Revelations 12 and uh, verse number 17, it says, and the dragon. Now, we know in verse 17 when it says the dragon, uh, in the first part of Revelation 12, it, it describes the devil uh, uh, as being the dragon, and the dragon is Satan, according to uh, Revelation uh, 12 and verse 7. Okay. He's, that's Satan. So it was actually Satan who gave uh, this uh, beast that came up out of the sea its, its power to do what he did. But see, what Satan who had given him the power, he had received power from Elohim, but he corrupted that power. Mm. See, Elohim gave him power, but he corrupted that power. And he said, I'm going to be like the most high. And here we see in this verse, the same power, corrupted power that he had, 
he's given to the beast that came up out of the sea, which we call the beast power. And the beast turned around and gave power to the uh, image of the beast. Well, so so you you said that uh, Yahuwah gave Satan power. Was there a specific type of power that he had? Uh, well, just like us, we, we, you know, we basically our power come from him too, and we mm. could corrupt it or try to do it do it right. Uh-huh. In other words, when he when he created him, uh, one of the uh, meanings for Lucifer is the son of is the uh, light light bearer. That's what Lucifer means. It's kind of like a Latin word, but they put Lucifer in there. He was a light bearer. He carried the light, and what was the light that he carried? He carried the light of the gospel uh, even before the world was made. And he would go around in the universe to spread the light of Elohim. But when he became corrupt, he looked. He put himself, as you were saying earlier, he he took the first day. Mm-hmm. And what did Elohim make on the first day? He made light, right? Ah, oh, yes. And so he he is he is saying, "I'm the I'm the light, you wow. know, not Elohim." And so he was going around telling the truth. But then when he got corrupted, then he corrupted the light that Elohim had given him. And so when we look at light. He is saying uh, that the light was created on the first day. And so Sunday, which means the sun, it has light. And he's going to use that to be able to capitalize this day when we know for a point that the sun wasn't in existence until the fourth day. That's why Elohim didn't make this the celestial bodies on the first day. He just had light, which came from himself. So when we look at the celestial bodies, we can't we don't stop there. We have to go and find out how did the celestial bodies get that light. We had to go back to the first day. That's when he created light. And where did light come from? It came from Elohim, not from Satan. Mm-hmm. Even though Satan is trying to claim that first day, which is Sunday, is a day of light, and then I'm the author of that, he is falsely saying that I'm showing you a light, but that light is really me. Mm-hmm. And so what, what, so what, we, what, what we're dealing with is he, he, uh, he got the light, from Elohim, but he corrupted that light. Wow. Because I know a, a lot of times I think we think that when Yah created light on the first day that he created the sun on the first day, but the sun was created several days later. Yeah, right. You see, a lot of people, they, uh, and I've even heard people come in and say, well, the Bible is wrong because <laughs> he, he created light on the first day, and then on the fourth day he created the sun and the moon. But what they are not understanding is he created light on the first day, uh-huh. but the containers to hold the light, he didn't make those until uh, uh, you get in uh, on the fourth day. See, because when you look up the word for light in the Hebrew, the word is or, O-R, for mm-hmm. light on the first three days of creation. Okay. But then when you look at the word for light in, in, in on the fourth day, it says may or, may or. It starts with the M O R. Okay. So whenever you have, well, not in some cases, when you have the M on on, uh, the prefix of a Hebrew word, you're not talking about uh, the thing itself, which is light. You're talking about a container. Okay. So when you have Mayor, which is M A O R, you have the container of light. But before you get to the container, on the first three days of, cre- uh, of creation, you had ore, which uh-huh. was light. Uh-huh. So if you want a light holder, like the sun, the moon, and the stars, that was the, the container of light was created on the fourth day, but not light. Mm. 
And so okay. Elohim said, now I'm going to put the celestial bodies up there. And the celestial bodies that I put in the heavens, they're going to contain light. And they're going to do the same thing that I did for the first three days. I calculated the time. But now when you look in the heavens, the sun, the moon, and the star, they will calculate time. So you know when the Shabbat comes by observing the sun, which I've ordained to rule the day. And so what we're looking at, basically, you have light in the light container. Light in the light container. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how we should look at it as opposed to thinking that the light container was made on Sunday, which it wasn't. It was just it Yah's light. Right. Just like you got a light, light bulb, you have electricity. Mm-hmm. But the electricity didn't, didn't start with the light bulb. Yeah. But when you made the light bulb, you made a container to hold the light. And that was mm-hmm. what the sun, the moon, and stars did. They were containers to holy life, but they, 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 they were not uh, in existence at the time he created life. Awesome. Awesome. With that, we head over to our next section. Up next is Let's Talk About That. Today I want to talk about in a Let's Talk About It segment about climate change because lately we've been hearing a lot about climate change. We've been seeing that the weather has been wacky all over the world. We've uh, been hearing more floods and hurricanes. And just recently, where I live, we had a crazy thunderstorm overnight. And I mean, it was thundering and lightning like I have really never seen before. So is there really such a thing called climate change? So if you can turn with me in Isaiah, the 24th chapter, We're going to read verse 5 and 6. Again, that's Isaiah 24, 5 and 6. And it reads, The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the Torah, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore has the curse devoured the earth, and that they dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and the few men left. So, Pastor, my question is possibly what people think is climate change actually the curse that is on the earth, and is there still a curse on earth? You, uh, let me put it this way. Uh, let, let, let's let's turn back to Genesis, um, and I think the second chapter. Let me see, Genesis chapter two, I believe. Let me see. Let me see. All right. Uh, here uh, in Genesis, let me see. Let me see. Okay. No, I think it's Genesis chapter 3. Okay, let me okay. see. All right, now, we know that when Adam was given the covenant uh, not to eat of uh, the tree of knowledge and the good and the evil, and once he had partook of it, then that brought about some changes, not only with he and his wife, but it also brought about some environmental changes as well. So let's read this first, and then we get into some other dynamics. It says um, here in Genesis chapter 3, it says in verse 16, it says, Unto the woman, he said, I would greatly multiply your sorrow in thy conception. And sorrow shall thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. 
Okay, so he was saying that it was going to something when she bore children that she would have sorrow of conceptions. And we can see that even today when uh, birth is given, it's a lot of pain, grief, and sorrow that goes with it uh-huh. until the child is delivered, and then you get joy. And then it goes on to say, and unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all thy days. And then it goes on in verse 18, it says, Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, from dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So what it's saying is that when he ate, of it, one of the curses for the woman was in childbearing, and one of the curses for uh, Adam was that now he had to cultivate the ground in order for it to be able to produce. Now, my, my thinking on this is, is this, is that what you see uh, here is that sin affected the very earth itself. Okay. It not only affected the earth, but it also affected the weather. Okay. But now, let's look at this, and then we'll get on the weather. Uh It says in verse 24, uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 24, and it says, And he drove the man, and he he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden a cherubim and a flame of sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So now, he put Adam and Eve out of the garden, and the Bible says he drove the man out. Uh-huh. So now if you drive somebody out, it sounds like he was, Adam was reluctant to go out. Uh-huh. He was stubborn. In other words, he had been evicted and he didn't want to move out of the place that he was. It was so beautiful yeah. that Elohim had to drive him out. So in other words, uh, he didn't go willfully. They had to push him out of there. Okay. So now apparently when he was driven out of the garden, why why was he driven out? Because no doubt if Elohim had left him in the garden, the garden would have become corrupt. So he drove him outside of Eden, because you remember a garden of Eden was in Eden, but he drove him out of the garden portion of it, and when he drove him out of the garden part, he no doubt was in Eden in other areas of the earth. And so when we read about thorns and thistles, the thorns and thistles was not in the Garden of Eden, because mm-hmm. he was driven out of there. There had to be in the other parts of the earth, mm-hmm. and now he got to go and cultivate the other parts of the earth in order to bring forth food. Now, okay. let us, with that in mind, let us turn to uh, Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. Now, here's what it says in Genesis chapter 8, and verse 22, it says, in the, la- in the last verse of uh, 8, which is 22, uh, Genesis t- uh, 8, 22, it says, while the earth remained, remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So the Bible is telling us that we'll still have all type of weather. Okay. Okay. But we know that the weather was affected even when Adam sinned, it changes the whole climate. It it changed it. Mm -hmm. For the first time that Adam saw a leaf fall from the tree and die, he knew that sin had affected nature. And when he hit, when he felt that cool breeze come, he knew it, it affected weather. 
So after the flood and the earth was thrown off of his axis, then what happened was that when the earth was thrown off his axis because of the flood, in other words, it used to be a time before sin that the sun moved back and forth over the earth and they had 12 hours a day and 12 hours of night. Mm. They didn't have to worry about daylight saving time that in spring you, uh, you move the, uh, you move the hours, uh, forward. Uh And then in the fall, you move the hour back. They didn't have to worry about daylight saving time because you had equal night and equal day. But when the flood threw it off of his axis, then that affected the weather. Why did it affect the weather? Because if the if the earth was angled a certain way and the sun came down upon the earth, that meant that you're gonna get equal night and day. Okay. And even when sin came in and it knocked it off, which means that the equator, the sun is sometime above the equator and below it. But when there was no sin, it was directly over the equator. So you didn't have to worry about it going back and forth to fall in winter in, in that type of weather. Okay. We would have had pleasant weather all of the time. But when that happened, it threw it off and that changed the weather. So when, it, when, it, when, it, when, the, when the earth is, I think it's the farthest away from the equator, you have, uh, uh, I think, to the su- south, you 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 have fall, and then as he moves back up, if I'm not mistaken, to the northern uh, 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 hemisphere, then we start getting summer, and then as summer comes, then we start moving back south to fall again to winter. Mm-hmm. So it did affect the weather, yes, when he said. Now, uh, with the equator and everything, does that still kind of apply to if you believe in a flat earth as opposed to the earth being a globe yeah well we'll see when you get into the globe and the flat earth uh you run into uh, a number of, of of questions for a globe as well as a flat earth mm-hmm. but uh some scholars still say we got a globe some scholars say we have a flat earth and there's a credibility uh for both of them but one would have to study for oneself uh, what the Bible teaches, and after studying what the Bible teaches, then you may come out and say, well, I believe in the globe. And then some people have studied what the Bible teaches, and they come out with a flat earth. Yeah. So, so uh, it's, it's, it's how one studies and draw a conclusion to one's studies that one can be able to determine uh, the flat earth or a globe. So with the uh, earth being cursed, mm-hmm. that will bring about pretty much unpredictable weather patterns at times. Is it yes, possible? that would. But now let's look at the uh, curse of the earth. Uh, one of the curses of the earth uh, was that when Cain rose up and killed Abel, his brother, and his blood was in the soil, then the earth was cursed then. Okay. But when we go back before that, the earth was cursed because Adam sinned, okay? So in a way, what you have is the earth was resting under a double curse, mm-hmm. Cain's blood and also uh, what Adam did. Okay, but when Yeshua came and he died on the cross and his blood touched the earth, 
then it was able to give it power to last longer, even under the curse that was on. Because if the curse hadn't been removed, the earth might have been destroyed even before now. Uh-huh. So when we look at uh, salvation, it was not only to save us, but it was the environmental uh, salvation in which when his blood touched the earth, then it gave the earth power to continue the four seasons of the year, spring, summer, fall, and winter. Okay. Because without that blood redeeming the earth, the earth would have been shattered. And this is why uh, the earth, under the blood of Yeshua, is able to still produce what it produces. But because of the, of the, of the curse that is yet on it, then it's not able to produce as it should. But thanks Elohim for his blood, that it still can still, still produce. And this means that we'll still have summer, spring, winter, and fall. Okay. Um, now, we know just in your talking about how Satan wants to be like the Most High. Is it possible that Satan has uh, started messing with the weather also? Oh, yeah. Well, see, what, what we have to understand about Satan is that uh, he's been in the presence of Elohim. He's one of the covering cherubs, according to Ezekiel. Uh-huh. Uh, 28th chapter, he, he, he was a covering cherub, and chirp, a covering cherub stood in the presence of Elohim. And, and remember, he was in a university of heaven, I mean, which is one of the greatest universities of the world. We're looking forward to graduating from this earth and go to the university of heaven. But in that university, he learned a lot. He learned even about the weather. So as he learned about the weather, then this is why the Bible calls him the prince of the air. Okay. He's called the prince of the air because he knows something about the air and how to deal with the air. And he can get into the technology of what man has and also get into the weather himself and, 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 and cause the weather to be uh, uh, in, in conditions that will militate against men. Mm-hmm. Look at what he did to Job. He used the weather in Job's situation to, to bring Job down. Uh, uh, he used the weather... Uh, in order to uh, 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 bring about, you know, uh, uh, various catastrophes. See, when Elohim used the flood to destroy the world, Satan still knows about the flood and how to do that. And he could take a flood and, and wipe out whole villages. But the only thing Elohim was saying, that he would not destroy the whole world by a flood again. We, but we will still have floods. Why? Because the devil going to make sure he have floods. Why, why do you have floods? That is because of the fact that when man sinned, not only back during uh, the time of, of Adam, that we started having problems with the earth, but when Adam sinned, it began the problem. And so once once the problem began, then just like uh, 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 Elohim told Adam that if he would obey him, that he would be able to reproduce after his kind and everything that reproduces of kind would be a blessing. But when he sinned, the same principle of, of reproducing after his kind was still operative. Uh-huh. In other words, when this when 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 Adam sinned and the earth was affected by it, then the earth continued to reproduce sin in the earth, which meant that they may not have had the type of earthquakes we have today, but they still, at a smaller scale, it was affecting the earth. And as men continued to sin and sin began to multiply in, in human beings, 
-hmm. It also multiplies sin in the earth. So therefore, every thousand years, sin has affected the earth. It makes it weaker and weaker. So Uh now when Yeshua was on earth, he said you should hear of earthquakes in diverse places. What he was saying was not, it wasn't anything new. He was saying since man had started the downfall of the earth back in Adam, it would continue to increase. So what he is building upon is what started with Adam, and he is telling us that you will have earthquakes in diverse places or earthquakes in different places. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the earth is constantly given away because the sin in the earth is multiplying, and the more it multiplies, the more it's going to destroy the earth. Wow. But he got enough grace on the earth to still help us to make it. Yeah. So by the time he comes, it's going to be on the Richter scale of the earthquake. We have had more earthquakes in our lifetime than we have had in the past. So it will continue to do that. Yeah. Because I know, uh, just like how I, I was saying about the thunderstorms, is that, I don't know, it just seems like the thunderstorms recently has been more intense than mm-hmm. it has ever, than I recall ever it been, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just something, I mean, just like last night, it was thundering and lightning and it was rumbling so much. You could feel it. And I'm like, wow, I have never in my lifetime felt anything like this. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because like you said, with so much sin, more and more in the world is creating a negative effect on this world. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he tried to use the same elements that Elohim used, like in Mount Sinai, they were saying, you know, when the thunder and the lightning is there, boy, uh-huh. they got so, they, they were so afraid with the thunder and the lightning coming from Elohim that uh, they said, we don't even want to hear your voice no more because <laughs> not only are we hearing your voice, but we see the thunder and the lightning. We see your voice. Wow. And so Moses had to take back to Elohim. He said, they don't want to hear you, Elohim. Elohim said, that's okay. I got a lot more to tell them, but you write it in the book and give it to her. Wow. So uh, we have a question. Uh, the question is, doesn't think to change times in Daniel 7.25 also cover the feast days and not just the Shabbat? Isn't that why most Christians celebrate Christmas, Easter, etc.? Well, let me commend the person who wrote that I'm a commander. That's a very astute that you picked that up. Uh, now, if you remember in my discourse, I said Sabbath was uh, one of the things which meant that it has more to it. Now, remember that what we are dealing with is uh, dealing with not only the uh, mark of the beast, but we are going to also deal with the mark of the beast system. And when we get to the mark of the beast system of worship, then we'll be dealing with the feast days. But you're you're absolutely correct. But we haven't gotten to that part yet. We just got to the mark. But when we get to the mark of the beast system, Mm -hmm. Daniel 7, 25, will click into more of what would change other than just the weekly Sabbath. So we appreciate your question. But if you stay tuned with us, we'll be dealing with the system. And the system will bring in the pseudo holidays that we so much hear people worshiping about uh, today, but we haven't gotten there yet, but so, we appreciate the question. So you're going to be dealing with the pseudo holidays. We dealt mm-hmm, with yeah. a little bit of the pseudo Shabbat today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and going to be the pseudo pseudo holidays. Right. And all. 
or you want to tune in because it's going to get deep. And we just had one comment. comment. Uh, they said, excellent explanation about light. Thank you for that. Yeah, I thought that was really good how you brought out about the light and Satan in the first day. I never thought about that. Okay, thank you. Okay, Pastor, can you take us to the throne as we get ready to wrap up this podcast with this holy day? And let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Eternal Father, we thank you, Lord, for another privilege of being able to meet. When I for your grace and your mercy, O Heavenly Father, we have been snuffed out. But somehow, you gave us another day, you gave us another Shabbat, and we just thank you. We love your Shabbat. It's a day that we don't have to work and do all of the labors that we have to do. We just can contemplate upon your word. We can think upon you. Think upon all of your goodness and give testimonies of great, what great things you have done. Yes, we have had some downs and we have some outs, but yet still you have lifted it up and caused joy bells to ring within our hearts of the blessings that you have given to us. Now, Father, as we go through the rest of the Shabbat, give us a blessing that is, suit, that is suitable for each one of us. And as we treat this day as you would have it to be treated, that it can afford to us all of the things, Lord, that we need, the blessings and the sanctification that will refresh us, renew us, and rejuvenate our minds, O Heavenly Father, and our bodies and our spirits in such a way that when the Shabbat is over and we start the first day of the week, we will be so refreshed that we can carry on the, our activities with a new zeal and a new zest to be able to do the things, Lord, that you would have us to do. So we just thank you for the things that you've done. Continue to bless bereave and those who are sick and shut in. Continue to bless those who are struggling. Bless those, O oh Heavenly Father, that is trying to make means and a livelihood. Where there's a joy shortage, Lord, let that not be a, uh, a, a, a shortage of the sources and the things that we need in order to be have a life at its best. You've provided for us up until this point, and we ask that you would take us on through. And when we be able to, O oh, Heavenly Father, lift you up and give you the praise that you can be able to say of us, you appreciate our worship. And as we continue to worship thee in spirit and in truth, that you will continue to guide us. And when your son do come at the end of time, O oh, Heavenly Father, to bring an end to this system and to bring in your new system of things, that we may be a part of that great kingdom, that one day, O oh, Heavenly Father, we can be able to look you in the face and to be able to fall at the feet of Yeshua, your son, and give you the praise, the honor, and the glory, majesty, dominion, power, and all of the thanks for your wonderful blessings. We thank you for this podcast, and we thank you for the, what we have been able to do, and we give your name all of the praise and the honor. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it, and for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Again, we are on every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your co-workers, tell your neighbors, tell everybody we're on Saturday at 1 on SciCove.com, S-C-I-C-O-V.com. If you have any suggestions regarding our podcast, if you have any ideas, if you have something you maybe want the pastor to talk about, if you have any comments, even your questions, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Again, that's scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. That is our podcast for this week. 
Know therefore that Yahuwah Eloheka, he is Elohim, the faithful El, which guards his covenant and his mercy with them that love him and guard his commandments to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Until next week, Shalom.